Hi, welcome to the Vine Church Podcast. This week we have Pastor Aaron Dowds. He's going to share an amazing message. Enjoy. My title for today is Who Are You or Who Am I? Who Am I? And if we could get, start with the recording, please, David. Who am I and who are you? So we're kind of doing a little series on identity. There's two handouts for today. If you don't have both handouts, just put your hand up and there's some people on the host team. If you... Uh, and there's a couple of hands here in the middle. Thank you, guys. So if someone was to ask you, who are you? you might, I might answer, well, my name is Aaron Dowds. But that's not really who, am I, who I am, is it? That's my name. I might reply what my job is. I'm a pharmacist or I'm a pastor now. But that's not who I am. That's my occupation. That's my job. I might tell them where I live. I might tell them that I'm Scottish or from Uganda or Chinese, but again, that's not who you are. That is your nationality. You might say, well, I'm a Pars fan. And the majority of people say, sorry, who, who are they? <laughs> you might say, well, I'm six foot tall, I'm 85 kilos. But again, that's not who I am, is it? That's my height and weight. You see, if I lost my arms and legs, would I still be me? If I had my heart transplanted, my kidneys or my liver transplanted, would I still be me? Would I still be the same person? Of course I would. You see, the reality is that you are much more than your physical being. You're much more than what people see on the outside. We tend to evaluate ourselves and get our value um, uh, from others by what we look like. So our, our, our culture and our world tends to evaluate themselves by outward experience, whether somebody's tall, short, slim, or cushioned, or by what we do. And this very often comes up in the conversation very early on. Someone asks you, what do you do? They're trying to work out who you are, whether you're a taxi driver, a plumber, a joiner, a nurse, a doctor, an engineer. Some Christians and uh, trying to describe who they are, we'll talk about their Christian denomination. Well, I'm a Baptist or a Catholic or an independent. Some might even give their role in the church. I'm a children's worker, a worship leader, a guitarist, I'm a life group leader, an elder, etc. But again, none of these things are really who you are. The big question that we want to consider is, is who you are determined by what you do? Is who you are determined by what you do? Or is who, or is what you do determined by who you are? You see, if, you, if who you are is determined by what you do, then when what you do changes, guess what? Your significance, your value, and identity will change with every season and day and emotion of your life. The place that we need to get to is that what you do is determined by who you are. What you do is determined by who you are. And who you are, if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ and a follower of him and a disciple of Jesus Christ, as opposed to a nominal Christian, which is a a Sunday attender, a Christian by name, but not actually by nature. What you do, if you're a true believer of Jesus Christ, who you are is like God on changing. Your external appearance may change. You might put on some weight. You may age. Your beauty may start to fade like the flowers. (laughs) But who you are is unchanging. 
Your occupation may change, but who you are is unchanging. Your employment status may change, but like God, who you are is unchanging. So even if what you do changes, your identity, your value, first blank on your sheet, your value and significance never changes. Your understanding of who God is and who you are in relationship to him, your understanding of God and who you are is the foundation for your belief system. And it actually determines how you behave. Second blank, behave. Behave as a Christian. See, people may seem to have it all together on the outside, but they may not have it together on the inside. You get people who may be beautiful, bright, well-off, in a good career, married, children, and yet they can still cry themselves to sleep at night, wishing they were somebody else. People often have negative feelings about themselves and they try hard to cover them up and hide those feelings. I'll not get time today, but we believe that these are the effects of the fall because in the garden as God initially created man, he had identity, he had significance, he had relationship, he had safety, he had security, and because of the fall, all these things were lost. He was born And every human thereafter was born with these dominant negative emotions. And Jesus Christ came to restore man back to the created order, back to that place of safety and security and significance and emotional stability and that place of a healthy identity in relationship with God. People often have dominant negative emotions and feelings about themselves. And we believe these are the effects of the fall. And by fall, what I mean is when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and after that, each human being was born, as David said, he was born in iniquity. He was born with that uh, broken relationship with God. We're not born naturally related or united to God in our souls and spirits. It's something that we have to receive by faith. Beauty, accomplishment, and recognition don't always lead to internal peace and maturity. Have any of you heard of Norma Jean Mortensen? Anyone heard of Norma Jean Mortensen? A few of you. She's also known as Marlon Monroe. Her actual name is Norma Jean Mortensen. Her mother um, was abandoned by her husband, and her mother spent most of her life in and out of mental institutions. Marlon spent a large portion of her childhood abused and alone, trapped inside a foster care system. Marlon was battered, but not completely broken. And she quickly worked her way up to superstardom. And by the time she hit her early 30s, she was one of the world's most desired women in all of Hollywood. But this is what she wrote. Hollywood is a place where they'll pay $1,000 for a kiss and 50 cents for your soul. You see, Marlon, she never quite made it out of the misery into which she was born. She was rich and yet miserable, beautiful and miserable, famous and miserable, and she overdosed on barbiturates at 36 years of age. Absolutely tragic and sad. And this is The tragic reality of living as Marilyn Monroe on the outside when all the while Norma Jean remained within. And this may just be your story, but slightly different. When your soul within you is drowning, starving, ignored, unkempt, everything you do on the outside does not work. 
Morris Wagner, in his book, The Sensation of Being Somebody, says, I think the quote's on your page. Try as we might by our appearance, performance, or social status to find self-verification for a sense of being somebody, we always come short of satisfaction. Whatever pinnacle of self-identity we achieve, achieve soon crumbles under the pressure of hostile rejection or criticism, introspection or guilt, fear or anxiety, all consequences of the fall, as I said earlier. He goes on to say, we cannot do anything to qualify for the byproduct of being loved unconditionally and voluntarily. You see, it's success, power, wealth, women, and lots of them could bring significance, meaning satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness they would have for King Solomon. King Solomon was the son of King David. He was Israel's king during Israel's greatest years in its history. King Solomon, he had power, he had position, he had wealth, he had possessions and women and lots of them. But none of these things brought him the success and the fulfillment because if they did, he should have been the most fulfilled and happy man on the earth. But what was his conclusion? Not only that, he was given wisdom, more wisdom than any man on earth. But what was his conclusion? What did all these things lead to? Ecclesiastes 1-2, this is what he conclusion he came to. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Perhaps Marlon Monroe thought the same. The book of Ecclesiastes, it reveals the hopelessness of trying to have a meaningful life in this world without God and without a healthy identity. And the flip side of the coin is that our culture believes that if people have nothing, then there's no hope for happiness for you. If you don't have these things, then you're never going to be fulfilled or happy. If you don't come up to the Western culture's um, ideals in terms of your wealth and influence and power and importance and income and status and house and car. If you don't get these things, then you'll never find happiness. And that's what some people are spending their whole lives trying to attain. And they're going to get there. Unlike King Solomon, they're going to say meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. See, if someone isn't the most clever, don't have the best looks in all the world, is overweight, has a stutter and lacks confidence, confidence. Is it still possible for that person to have a good, healthy identity? Is it possible for them to have fulfillment and meaning and purpose and happiness? Well, according to our culture and our world standards, no, there's not much hope. But the good news of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the kingdom standards of Jesus is that it is possible. It is possible um, to be healthy and to be happy. What about if you were born with no arms and no legs. Surely that would be really difficult to believe in the goodness of God, to be, be, believe in the justice of God. Surely if you had no arms and legs, it'd be very difficult to have a good and healthy and strong identity, to have meaning and purpose and fulfillment, and to have a good hope for the future. Surely it would. Well, let's have a look at this video clip. Thank you, Robert. Born in Australia without arms or legs, 30-year-old Nick Vujicic has become a symbol of triumph against all odds. His inspiring YouTube videos have been watched over 100 million times. It's a lie to think that you're not good enough. It's a lie to think 
that you're not worth anything. But the road to self-acceptance was excruciating for Nick. For years, he was harassed and tormented at school. When he was 10, Nick attempted suicide. After years of feeling worthless and alone, Nick's awakening came while reading an article about a disabled man who refused to let physical limitations hold him back. In that moment, Nick says he discovered the power to take control of his life, and he has. Today, Nick surfs, he snorkels, he golfs, and plays soccer. He's traveled to 44 countries with his message of hope. Even the worst part of your life can come together for the good. And less than a year ago, Nick married the love of his life and danced at their wedding. That you were able to do that. Oprah, I know that you love to think out of the box and have things outside of the box in your yes. show. Yeah. And I know that you love illustrations. So if I may illustrate in about 180 seconds, can I do something a little crazy, but it'll sure. be powerful. Go Is that right cool? Ahead. You got a camera behind me, right? Yeah. I'm gonna show you. Come, come, come. The this step. Right here, is there enough light here? Okay. The chemistry, I was born without arms and legs. The chemistry I could not change in my life. I know that God didn't give me this pain, but what the enemy tried to use for bad, he turned into good. Man, the connections. I wanna tell uh, Porsche, uh, look, I'm a guy, I love cars, okay? And I love Porsches more than Ferraris, okay? <laughs> and, and I want everyone to know that, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And until you can actually understand that we are all wonderfully and fearfully made from God, um, I want you to know that, that you will always be trapped and chained and you will be stopped. But when you have the incredible power of faith in action, nothing holds you back. And you're beautiful just the way that you are. No worries. For me, I felt the connection. Yeah. For me, in my life, I'm thinking, man, I'm not going to get married. I can't, you know, can't even hold my wife's hand. What connection am I going to have? But you know what? All things come together for the good for those who love him. Man, this is a little bit high. I'm going to break my arm, man. This is pretty crazy. All right. I'm going to break my arm. Circumstances, being okay. born without arms and legs, man, it's all about choice. You asked me what it was. I had parents who were my heroes. They always said, you, you can either be angry for what you don't have or be thankful for what you do have. Do your best and God will do the rest. Man, consciousness. Because I gave my life to Lord Jesus Christ and the renewing of my mind, Wow. I knew that I could be unstoppable. And there is no reason why you can't be unstoppable as well. Let's give it up to the Lord Jesus Christ for Nick Vojtic. Um, you see, in our earthly kingdom, happiness is equated with good looks, relationships with important people, a good job and good pay. And life without these benefits is often seen as hopeless. But in God's kingdom, these equations don't exist. Everyone has the opportunity for a life of meaning and significance. Why? Because wholeness and meaning in life are not the products of what you have or don't have. 
as a matter of your arms or no arms, legs or no legs. Your meaning and significance do not depend on the externals, on what you have done or what you have not done. Because of who you are, And your identity, if you choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you become, your identity becomes one as a child of God. And you're already a whole person and receive and possess a life of infinite meaning and purpose. And the identity equation changes when you become a Christian and become a part of God's kingdom. You plus Christ equals wholeness and meaning. That's a blank on your sheet. If you remove Christ from the equation, which is where everybody is born because of the effects of the fall, you can see that there's no hope for wholeness and meaning. There's attempts, and very often people make good attempts, and they can be apparently successful and happy externally. But what we believe and what we believe the Bible teaches is in order to have that wholeness and meaning, you need to put Christ into the equation. You need to be in Christ, and Christ needs to be in you. So relationship relationship to God as an adopted child of a good, good, loving father is essential, and it's the key to a healthy identity and to wholeness. For you to have um, healthy identity and wholeness, you need Christ. You need to be in Christ. Christ needs to be in you. And as we see that that comes through faith. But many Christians still struggle with their identity. Many Christians still struggle with security, their significance, their sense of worth, and spiritual maturity. And I reckon your insecurity is much greater than you're letting on. I I actually believe that as Christians, we are actually, um, our default human condition is insecure. And as a Christian, you have to battle with that daily. Why? Because we have a spiritual enemy. And here's the one thing that we must, we believe that the Bible teaches, and we believe it's very clear that each of us has a spiritual enemy called Satan, who does not want you to trust God, and he does not want you to have a healthy identity. And he's always trying to get you to question God and to doubt his word. He always gets you to question God and to doubt his word. And his tactic is to get you to doubt and to be confused about your identity and to question your identity. And it's the number one thing he is after. Satan always gets you to question your identity as a son. He always wants to question your identity as a son. What was the first thing he did when he tempted Jesus in the desert? What was the first thing he said? He questioned his identity. He wanted to make him uh, confused and to doubt his identity. So he said in Matthew 4, verses 3 and 6, the tempter came to him and said, if, there, he, there it goes, if, there's, that's, that's his tactics, if, if you are what? If you are the son of God. And then in verse 6, he comes to him with another temptation and he says, if, there it goes again, if, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. So his tactics is to get you to, and, and, and to question you and to make you doubt, are you really a child of God? Look at the bad things happening. Look at the temptation in the wilderness. Look around. It doesn't look as if you really are a son of God in this moment. But when you begin to doubt your identity, you must take out the sword against the enemy as Jesus did. 
Jesus took out the sword in that moment and he used the sword against the enemy. And what was the sword that he used? He quoted the word of God. And that is why we must have knowledge of God's word. And that's why to get the word of God, the sword of the spirit, into the hands of these Ugandans is the best seven pounds you can save up for this week. Because you're giving them a sword. Not a book, a sword. It's called the sword the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. It's what Jesus used. When you're questioning your identity, you need to know your identity. And that's why I've given you a sheet which says, who am I? And um, I would like to challenge you to read it every day, twice a day for seven days to confirm who you are. And some of them, it wouldn't make sense. Some of them, will need explanation, but that's okay. You get into a relationship with other Christians and then um, they can help you understand some of these things. Hosea 4.6 says, my people, Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's not just knowledge in the head as we talked about last week. It's not knowledge of the honey. It's the experiential knowledge to know in the Bible more than intimate personal relationships. So lack of this intimate personal relationship with God through his word because his word is living and active and his Holy Spirit takes it and, and, and makes it alive. And that's why you can hear the word, not just read the word, but hear the word and let the word read you. You have to let the word read you because you will be challenged by the word of God. You will be challenged your attitude will be challenged. Your behavior will be challenged. Your motives will be challenged. And we need that challenge of the Word of God because your, your, uh, your friends are not brave enough to tell you. They don't. They sh we should be. We should, you know. It says, let each man speak truth to his neighbor in love. And that's in a loving way if we're in a good and healthy relationship. But read the Word and let the Word read you because people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And it's experiential knowledge that I talked about last week, not just head knowledge. But we need to leave the old junk food of our old ways. And we need to leave the deception behind. We need to stop believing lies about who you are. And lies about your purpose and significance from the father of lies. Because he just wants to tell you, you're no good. Especially when you fail. Especially when you're having a really bad day. Especially when your attitude and you're struggling with your anger and struggling with your tiredness. See, you're no Christian. You're no different from anybody else in your workplace. You're, you're, you are far worse. And because we struggle, even as Christians, the enemy wants to cause us to question who we really are. But we need to get ourselves out of that bad downward spiral. We need to see when you fail, you begin to see yourself as a failure. When you fail, you begin to change your identity. I am a failure. That's what you start to believe. But when your identity becomes a failure, guess what? You've got faith for failure. You've got expectancy for failure. So guess is what's going to happen? More failure. Because what you do is not your identity. You're not a failure. You are a forgiven child of God. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. You're an overcomer who fails from time to time. But Jesus Christ in his grace has forgiven you and he's given you the strength and the Holy Spirit to be forgiven and to move on. So we get angry and then we, get, we begin to see ourselves as an angry person. Our identity begins to become, I am an angry person or I am an angry dad or I am just angry like my um, generations before. And guess what? When you've got faith and expectancy for anger, you're going to get angry more, and it's going to lead to more and more angry. Your identity is not an angry person. Your identity is a forgiven saint. 
You are not a sinner saved by grace. You're no longer a sinner. You are a saint. That's the most common New Testament description that Paul uses to describe believers as a saint, as a set-apart one, as someone who is forgiven, someone who is forgiven, who still struggles with anger, but you have the Holy Spirit, and you are able to overcome that anger, and you're able to overcome by His Spirit, giving us the fruit of self-control. The good news of the kingdom is that we... um, What you do does not determine who you are. If you become a Christian, that is settled once and for all. You've become a child of God. Jesus Christ died. He shed his blood. And if we believe in him, then you have become a child of God. You receive forgiveness of sins. You receive adoption as a child of God. He makes you a saint. That means he makes you a set-apart one, and he makes you like God. When you put your faith in the death and blood of Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit of adoption or sonship, making you a child of God. And this is the identity that we need to get. Romans 8, 16, child of God, a blank on your sheet. We need to get the healthy identity of a child of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Or God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is. We know who we are, Father and children. So this is where we need to get to. We need to get to the place of knowing who He is. He's not an angry God. He's not out to get you. He's not out to trip you up. He's not a legalistic God that's given you lots of laws. He's a good, good, gracious, and loving Father who loves you, who is with you. He's good. He wants your best. He's given His Son, Jesus Christ. He's given His all for you. So we need to know who He is, and we need to know who we are. And we need, that's our identity needs to be as children of God. And that's why it's so important to have the Holy Spirit, because it says the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit because it needs to move from head knowledge, I'm a child of God, to this inner um, awareness, this uh, uh, security that I am a child of God. Because uh, someone who is secure can have things, external things happening in their life and they don't freak out. They don't freak out. They don't lose the plot. They don't get anxious. They don't get worried because they know they're a child of God. My God is in control. It doesn't matter if I'm out of control. It doesn't matter if my circumstances are out of control because I'm a child of a good, good, loving Father. He's good. He's for me. He'll never leave me, never forsake me. He says His grace is sufficient. That means His grace, His goodness, His kindness is enough in my life. He'll get me through every situation. I don't need to panic. I don't need to freak out. But our trouble is we listen to our emotions rather than speaking to our emotions. We need to learn to speak to our emotions and stop being, yeah, come on, let's give it up for Jesus. We need to speak to our emotions. We need to speak to our emotions because you will get freaked out. You will get worried. You will get afraid. You say, you know what? I'm coming back. Who am I? I'm a child of God. Who is he? He's my father. Who am I? I'm his child. What did he say? Do not be afraid. Have faith in me. Trust in me. It may feel like I'm asleep on your boat, but even if I'm asleep, your boat is still going to get to the other side of the shore. So don't have little faith. Let's trust him. We are sons, royal sons of a royal king. And because we are now royalty, we're now royal sons and a royal king, our behavior and attitudes need to change to become appropriate to who we are. So 
we are now royal sons and a royal king and that the uh, appropriate behavior, the appropriate speech, the appropriate attitudes need to change so that we now work out our salvation and not work for salvation. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. Not work for salvation. You can't work for salvation. By salvation, we mean that your sins have been forgiven. You have now been made one with God. You've been made a child of God. You received the Holy Spirit. You've become an adopted child of God. You have received eternal life. That means you're now living eternal life. You're living eternity now. Your life is indestructible, and that's why we are not to be afraid of those who can destroy the flesh because they cannot destroy the indestructible part of you which lives for eternity. I am an eternal being. I am going to live for eternity in the presence of God. God has saved me from punishment for my sins because Jesus Christ took my punishment. So I don't, I don't receive that by working for it. I don't receive it by punishing myself when I do wrong. I don't receive it by trying to be good um, and, and trying to earn it because we never can earn it. Jesus Christ earned it. He gave it. It's called grace. It's a free gift. It's something that can never be earned. It's something that we receive by faith. We receive it by faith and we receive it by repentance. That means a change of the mind, turning around and going in a different direction, changing the way that I think about myself and about God. That is salvation. And we're not to work for salvation because it's been given. We receive salvation, but we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And working out our salvation means I start to behave like a child of the king. I start to think like the child of a king. I start to believe I'm a child of the king. I start to believe that uh, my life is going to be okay, that when things around me are uh, changing, God is unchanging, and I am a child. So blank on your sheet. Because I'm a child of the king, I act, speak, speak blank, and live like a child of the king. Because I'm a child of the king, I start to think like royalty. And because of my love for Father, I desire to please Father with all my heart. So there's the difference. The difference is that my motivation is I am loved by a good. That's why I spoke last week on being loved by God and tasting the honey. Not just knowing about the honey, but tasting the love of God. Uh, living in an experiential relationship with Father. Because what happens is when you've got a good, graceful, loving Father, what happens is... And I've had this experience in my own physical life because I've had a good, graceful, and loving Father. Your desire to please Him. You desire to please Him. Not for fear. Not for fear. But because of desire to want to do what is right. To want to do. To want to please Him. And may we know the love of a good, good Heavenly Father. May we be so, as Paul says, rooted and established or rooted and built up. Our roots must go deep into the soil of His love. We must be built upon the foundation and the soil of His love. Because when we're loved, we love because we first loved Him. And that's our motivation. We want to love Jesus Christ. We want to know His Word and obey Him because we love Him. Because we love him. Because we are grateful and we want to do what is right. And so I want to read the word. Not because I feel guilty. Not because I feel condemned. But because I'm so loved and I want to know what pleases you, Father. And I want to do what is pleasing to you. I don't want to do what is displeasing to you. Because I'm a child of the king, I start to love what the king loves. And then Jesus said, finally, my last slide. 
And then we're going to, let's get the band back up. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and uh, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You see, religion burdens people who have a lot to do to please God. Religion burdens, but Jesus says, he doesn't say do this to get rest. He says come. He gives an invitation to himself and to a person. The invitation is to Jesus, not a religion. You see, the Pharisees, they burdened people with many hundreds of laws that they had to do to please God. It was do, and then you will please God. But Jesus says, come, come. True salvation is found in one person. It's a free gift. It's in Jesus Christ. And it says he will give you rest. He will give you rest. It said, Augustine said yes, last week that our hearts are restless until they find our rest in him. Our hearts are restless. And he offers rest. And that means to relax, to calm. <laughs> we need to be relaxed people. There's going to be much happening. Jesus said in this life you're going to have trouble. We're in troubled days, but we need to be a relaxed people. We need to be a calm people. That means to refresh, and it comes from the root word blank on your sheet, to pause. It means to pause. It means to stop. And we're invited to come, and he will give you a pause from your striving and your labor and your hard work. And it says, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. And the yoke was a wooden yoke that joined two animals so that they would combine their strength. Strength on your sheets. They would combine their strength to pull a load that would have been too difficult for one animal to pull by itself. If we could just have the band playing, please. The yoke made the team inseparable. So you have two oxen, there's a picture on your sheet. The, the wooden yoke would be that in life we were with, born without God and we were plowing. We're trying to be productive and we're trying to be fruitful. When, when we're young and energetic and things are going well, we're, we're doing okay, we're plowing up the fields, we're seeing fruit. But then things start to happen and we slow down and life gets harder and the strain takes its toll. And Jesus says, come to me, you are weary. And people are weary because they're trying. They're trying to be calm. They're trying to be relaxed. They're trying to stay in control, but they, they get worn down and depression and anxiety and fear of the future comes upon them. And Jesus said, come, come to me, oh, you are weary and burdened. I will give you rest, a rest from your labors. Let me take the yoke. Let me be joined to you because I'm stronger and I'm going to pull with you. I'm going to pull with you. I'm going to pull you and I'm going to be your strength. And that's why it says in Philippians 14, 4, 13, I can do everything through Christ because I'm yoked. Christ is in me and I am in him and I'm going through life and I'm like, wow, I'm starting to be productive again. I'm starting to move again. I'm starting to enjoy life again because I'm not going through life on my own strength. I'm yoked to Jesus Christ. I know Jesus Christ. I'm living in a relationship with him and it says you shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light so let's stand to our feet let's pray I'm going to worship Lord Jesus Christ we love you Lord Jesus Christ just close our eyes Jesus Christ he died on the cross 
If you need Jesus today and if that's your story, you're weary, you're burdened, you've been trying life without him today, he says, come, I died on a cross. He says, sorry for living your life without me. Invite me to come in. You'll become a child of God. Turn your life around and make me Lord. Learn my ways and I will become yoked to you. I'll become your father and you will be my son and together you will see times of refreshing and goodness and newness and kindness come into your life. So if every eye closed, if you want that today, just repeat this prayer. The congregation can all help me. Dear Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for all my sin. Please forgive me and I ask you to help me, Lord. I'm struggling. Life is difficult without you. I know I need something and I need you. And I come home to the Father today and I ask you to come into my life and to give me your Holy Spirit. I choose today to no longer doubt, but to believe and to follow in Jesus' name. Now, if every eye closed, if you say that prayer for the first time today, just put your hand up nice and high. Put your hand up nice and high. Anybody say a prayer? Thank you, young man over there. Thank you. Two. Two. Okay. Wonderful. Anybody else? Okay. Just when the meeting's finished, if you could just come and, if you uh, feel comfortable to do so, come and chat with myself. I can give you some encouragement. If not, if you, that's too, uh, too much, that's okay. Understand. Just come here every Sunday. Speak to your friends and get you a little booklet to encourage you this week. But we thank you, Jesus, for the rest of us, Lord. Jesus, Lord, for many of us, Lord, even Christians, Lord. Lord, we struggle with our identities. We struggle with fear and anxiety and worries and doubts, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that by your Spirit, that you would pour out your Spirit today, Father. And that you would confirm with our hearts that we are children of God, that we are sons and daughters of a good, good, loving and Father. That, Lord, we would be a people that are relaxed, that are calm through the storms because we might be in a horrendous storm of trouble. But Jesus is on our boat. Jesus, whatever we're going through and we can't cope on our own strength, we thank you that you said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So, Father, just pour out your spirit today. Pour out your spirit. Let's worship. We're going to close last worship song and then we're close. Put our hands together and thank the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of one.